Hello, friends. Paul Gaucher here. Welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. So glad that you are with me today. It seems like it has been a chunk of time. Maybe it has uh, weeks, for sure, months, not sure. Anyway, glad to have you here, right here, right now. If you're new to the podcast, um, this is the place uh, where we're exploring what it means to intentionally live into a particular series of life rhythms that, that help us bring our best to each day, to each moment and to each other as we encounter the world around us from day to day. We're discovering that uh, when we move with thoughtful purpose uh, toward a deepened sense of identity, that we are spirited, that we are creative, that we are connected people, that we're called to live fully in the present uh, as grateful, generous, and missional people. Man, how is that for a mandate? Uh, and when we do those things, when we live that way, uh, we lean into new ways of thriving life. Or as my late great friend Eugene Peterson once said, we live into life and more life. Well, this is episode 14, and I'm calling this one missional. This is the seventh of the seven rhythms uh, that we've been exploring over the past uh, year or so. And just a note about uh, all of this. Someone was um, asking me about the purpose of this podcast. They were also uh, asking about the uh, the today's word uh, effort that that uh, that we've got going um, and how this all fits together. This is actually all going someplace, uh, along with today's word which is an exploration of, um, of uh, thoughts and words relative to Thriving Life. And these podcasts, there's also been um, a couple of small groups uh, that have worked through all of this, uh, all of this material. Uh, I'm just finishing up uh, a small group experience with a, uh, a, a small group of people. We've been together over the past year. Um, and um, I'm now... Uh, just about to launch another small group of high school, young high school leaders. I'm so excited about this. This is a remarkable collection of young people, and uh, they're also jacked to walk through all of these rhythms. So we're going to do that. So all of this is going someplace. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but um, there's a purpose, and that purpose uh, may may one day wind up being something that that you actually hold in your hands uh, with uh, two covers and pages that you can turn and things you can read. So anyway, it's going uh, someplace, these seven rhythms. But in case you need a refresher, these seven rhythms are a way of understanding uh, two central questions. Those questions... Who are we and what are we doing here? And these seven rhythms um, are a response to those questions. The seven rhythms help us understand ourselves as spirited, creative, connected, present, grateful, generous, and missional people. I've identified those seven rhythms, been working through them with you if you've been along on this, and uh, it's, it's really starting to get some traction. And as I've been living with these rhythms in my own life, uh, 
trying to find practical ways to both enter into them and work out of them on a daily basis, I've had this growing conviction that all seven of these rhythms actually build upon one another. Over the past year, um, I've been working these rhythms uh, with this small group, as I told you, this bunch of spectacular, super talented, endlessly lovely people who really know how to eat, drink, and be merry. You all know who you are. And each month since last September of last year, we've, we've gathered to talk about these rhythms, to pull them apart, to ask, how do we live into them? Where are they already at work uh, in us? What works, what doesn't? What helps us thrive? And what helps us help others to thrive? And um, it, was a, it was fascinating uh, to explore how these rhythms actually inform our daily lives. And out of these small group experiences came a synthesis of each of the rhythms that uh, brought more clarity to each one. So what I want to do is bring you through each one of those, um, those syntheses um, so we're on the same page before we just launch into the seventh rhythm of mission. So the seven expressions of, of a thriving life or in the context of a faith community, you could say that the, the seven expressions of a thriving child of God are as follows. As a child of God... I am, I am a spirited human being. That is to say, I'm animated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, secondly, as a child of God, I am a creative human being. I'm called to explore the divine impulse of wonder and imagination in my life. As a child of God, I'm a connected human being. I'm integrating into healthy, life-giving relationships with others. As a child of God, I am a present human being. I'm learning to be fully alive and engaged in each moment. And I just sidebar here, I just love the double twist on that word present, to say that I am a present human being, that we are present human beings could also have something to do with asking what does it mean to be a gift to one another, to the world around us, to each other. As a child of God, I am a grateful human being. I'm blessed, not merely to be blessed, but blessed in order to be a blessing to others. As a child of God, I am a generous human being. I'm, I'm free to live open-handedly and open-heartedly. And lastly, as a child of God, I am a missional human being. That is to say, I'm equipped to nurture momentums of thriving life and aliveness in others. Or to say that last one just a little differently, we thrive as missional people who embrace a vision of life and aliveness by creating momentums of healing and unity by pursuing movements of hope and wholeness. I don't know about you. You know, for somebody who just loves the way a sentence comes together, I think I just set my pen down and took a long swig of coffee at that point. Anyway, there is a story uh, in the Christian scriptures uh, that, il that illuminates the essence of what it means to be missional. This story is found in the New Testament book of Acts. And uh, the main figure here is the Apostle Paul. He is the 
Christian hunter turned all-out follower of Jesus. And what he's doing is equipping a small group of friends for their ongoing mission in their community because he's going to leave them. So there's, there's a lot going on here. There, along with that, there's this urgency in his voice. And even though it's ink on a page page in a book. You you can't miss the urgency. He's been living in their community for about three years up to this point, probably from about the fall of 54 AD to the fall of 57 AD, so a couple years ago. And he's been with them, teaching them. He's been preaching. He's been launching this spirited community. He's been laying it all out there. And you can just you can just feel the urgency when he reminds them that this will be the last time that they all see one another. So in this passage, Paul uh, challenges them to be watchful and aware and compassionate because Paul knows that being watchful, aware, and compassionate, among other things for sure, are marks of the missional life. So I'm going to read this passage uh, for us, um, and I want you to listen uh, for all of that as I read it, and then I'm going to pull out, a, just to tease out a couple things and uh, send us on our way today. So this is from um, Acts chapter 20, verses 25 and following, and I'm, I'm reading from the Message Bible because I'm partial to that. I think it just it's, uh, it's just good the way it's written. So Paul says this, and so this is goodbye, friends. You're not going to see me again nor I you, you whom I have gone among for so long, proclaiming the news of God's inaugurated kingdom. I've done my best for you, given you my all, held back nothing of God's will for you. So now it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and for your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's people they are, to guard and protect them. God himself thought they were worth dying for. I know that as soon as I'm gone, vicious wolves are going to show up and rip into this flock, men from your very own ranks, twisting words so as to seduce disciples into following them instead of Jesus. So stay awake and keep up your guard. Remember those three years I kept at it with you, never letting up, pouring my heart out with you one after another. Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. I've never, as you so well know, had any taste for wealth or fashion. With these bare hands, I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. In everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering what our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. Then Paul went down on his knees, all of them kneeling with him, and prayed. And then a river of tears much clinging to Paul, not wanting to let him go. They knew they would never see him again. He had told them quite plainly. The pain cut deep. Then, bravely, 
they walked him down to the ship. Whew, man, that is some that is some good stuff right there. So that's the passage. And I'm convinced that the five most important words in this passage are these. Now it's up to you. Now it's up to you. Paul is saying the mission is now in your hands. You've been equipped. You've been empowered. You've been given everything you need in order to carry out the mission. And what you need to know is that by carrying out the mission that has been placed into your hands, the lives of others are now going to thrive because it's all about thriving life. The mission, the mission that we embrace is the understanding that, that we'll thrive as missional people who embrace a vision of life and aliveness by creating momentums of healing and unity by pursuing movements of hope and wholeness. And that we, by doing that, we get to equip other people's life for the same thing. You know, I'm convinced that passing these rhythms of life and aliveness on to the next generation is absolutely critical in our culture, especially at this time. There's this great line in this passage that Eugene Peterson translated from the original language. He says, now it's up to you. Be on your toes. Be watchful. Be alert. Stay awake. You know, one of the clearest indications of a thriving missional community of faith is the degree to which that community understands that they exist for the sake of those whom God has placed into their care. I'll say it again. One of the clearest indications of a thriving missional community of faith is the degree to which the community understands that they exist for the sake of those whom God has placed into their care. Another way to say that is that there will always be someone who needs us and who, through us, will, en will encounter a thriving life, will encounter the divine, will encounter spirit, will encounter this new life. There's actually a really good chance that you're listening to this today because someone shared the story of Christ with you. Someone told you uh, why faith matters. Someone stood with you in a difficult time. Someone um, showed you specific kindnesses when you needed it most. Someone encouraged you when you were at the end of yourself. And having come to the end of yourself, you discovered your need for a new beginning. And someone was there. Someone was right there. Any one of those experiences is a powerful expression of someone being on their toes and watchful and alert and awake. And we just thank God that somebody stood into our lives with those things. But this idea of being on our toes, watchful, alert, and awake for the sake of creating thriving lives in people's lives and for the sake of creating a sense of thriving mission always takes me back to a story that I'm beginning to tell again and again about a 21st century community that has somehow remarkably embodied the, the vibe of the first century community. Let me tell you about that. One of the most remarkable experiences that I've had in a long 
long time, was traveling with a group of about 16 friends from Prince of Peace Lutheran Church here in Burnsville uh, to Tanzania just this past July. So we flew from Minneapolis to Amsterdam and then from Amsterdam uh, to Dar es Salaam. We were, it seemed like we were on a plane for days and days, but it was 24 hours and it was grueling. My word, that was a bonkers trip. But once we landed and had a couple of days to acclimate, we were, we were on our way. During the two weeks that we were in Tanzania, we made uh, several stops. We, we visited an orphanage uh, and, and for hours just played with dozens of children who, little kids who had lost their parents to the HIV AIDS epidemic. Uh, looking into the face of these sweet little kids, um, some of them the age of our granddaughters, uh, really reframed uh, some important things for me. Uh, we visited a high school and talked with some very motivated high school students who had received scholarships uh, to be there to, to, to get this education um, and talked with them about how they were investing themselves fully in honoring the gifts that they'd been given. Uh, as a group, uh, we celebrated the, the over 32 years of relationship uh, between a couple of different entities uh, that I'm connected to, the St. Paul Area Synod um, and the Oringa Diocese of the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church in Tanzania. 32 years of relationship. And we learned about our partnerships uh, with about a dozen African congregations who uh, in turn bring the good news of Christ to cities and towns and remote villages. And then we made our way to Ilambo, a village in the south central part of the country. And friends, I, I just have to tell you that being in this remote village of Ilambo, Tanzania for four days was for me as close to what I imagine a first century Christian community might have been like. I mean, I, I'm not overstating this. Um, Christ was at the center of absolutely everything they do. It, it wasn't just church and their spirited life wasn't just an activity that they, they, they did alongside a host of other activities during the week. Uh, it wasn't... It wasn't uh, it wasn't something that they tacked on to their already busy lives. It, it was at the center of who they are and what they do. Everything else was sort of an add-on to that. They, they were deeply gracious in their hospitality. They literally shared all things in common. Uh, there was genuine caring for one another's needs and there was, there's never a let up in that. Those of you who have visited uh, some of these African countries um, and, um, and visited with people in these Christian communities, you know, it's a different deal. It's just different. And um, if there's any, if there's, listen, if there's any indictment uh, in my voice, uh, that indictment is against me, and that's as far as it goes. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let everybody else deal with it the way they want to deal with it. But you know, I, I had a, it was there was a, there was kind of a shift going on for me, and I've been at this for a while for crying out loud. So for months leading up to the trip, 
my mindset was that was was like this. I have something that others don't have. And so I'm going to fly halfway around the planet because I can. And I'm going to bring my something and I'm going to give it to them because they're so very lacking. And when I give them what I've got, they're going to be a little better off and maybe a little bit more like me. And because of that, I'm going to be a lot better off and feel a lot better about myself. Man, I, I had some waking up to do. And then Sunday morning happened. So I had an opportunity um, to preach. I was invited uh, by this community uh, to be part of the leading of the worship on their Sunday morning uh, to preach to a church full of people, couple hundred people, some of whom had to walk hours to get to the church that morning carrying children on their backs, balancing water on their heads, bringing offerings of food and animals and other things in their arms. I was nearly reduced to tears as the shift took place in my heart over a three and a half hour worship time together. I wasn't just a missionary to them. We were all missionaries to one another. I wasn't just bringing the good news to them. We were all bringing the good news to each other. And while I watched them dance and listened to them sing, it dawned on me. I hadn't seen an unhappy person since we got to the village. And that's when I remembered the pastor that had told us early on as we were getting ready to frame our two weeks in Tanzania. He said, the Tanzanian church... Has the people of this church have a remarkable ability to experience joy for no reason. Think about that for a minute. These people have a remarkable ability to experience joy for no reason. Man, I experience joy in my life I experience joy in my life when I go to the store and just practice some retail therapy. I experience joy in my life when I get stuff. I experience joy when I look at my collection of this, that, and three other things. I experience joy when I consider all that I have. And I was caught up short when I considered what it's like to experience joy for absolutely no reason. That's the kind of thriving life that I'm after. That's the kind of thriving life that I want to seek out, that I want to thrive in life just being aware that the breath I just took was a gift. And so when I stood up to preach, I realized, Paul, now it's your turn. It's your turn. You have a message that has breathed life and hope and peace into your life, and you get, you get to just speak it. I reminded that church full of people that morning that while we were, uh, while, while there were certainly many things that made us different, our languages made us different, our clothing styles made us different, our methods of travel made us different, our life experiences made us different. Our skin color 
uh, made us different, even though there were so many things that made us different, there is one thing that binds us all together, one thing that makes us one. And I told them that that was the love of God in Jesus Christ and the power of spirit at work in our lives, calling us, creating of us a thriving people that help others thrive. And it was, it was, um, it was the word that was making this living word of Christ that was making us into a community of holy friends, as Paul said. And when I said that in that worship service that morning, I said that about the differences that we had and the one thing that binds us together. And I, after I said that, I had to pause as the translator then translated what I had said in English into Swahili. And then there was this pause. And then when it sunk in, the room, the church, absolutely levitated as a couple hundred people began to cheer at our oneness in God, our oneness in spirit, our oneness. And in that moment, the compassion and love of Christ that Paul reminded his friends, whom he'd never see again, got very, very tangible for me. And I realized how deeply I needed that moment in my life. Thriving. Mission. What's your mission? So I have a couple questions for you about mission, about a thriving sense of mission in your life. Think of the one or two people in your life who really tilled the ground for a growing sense of mission in you today? Who was that? Who, who, taught, who was it that taught you to, to move beyond yourself? A grandparent, a parent, a fourth grade teacher, a college prof, a pastor, a neighbor, a friend? Who was it? And what was it about how they treated you, how they spoke to you, how they impacted your life? that left such an impact on you. Think about that person. Think about all they did to create in you a sense of mission beyond yourself. Now, here's the second part. Think, think of the person or persons uh, into whom you're pouring yourself your sense of mission into them. Think of the person or the persons that, uh, that have this untilled uh, plot of land in their life and, and you're being called to till that ground for them. So maybe the question is, who is it that, that, that you can pass on this sense of mission the way someone passed that on to you? That is a question worth spending some time on. So that, my friends, is my story. I'm sticking to it. That's enough for now. Uh, that's a bit about the thriving rhythm of mission. As always, you can uh, visit uh, my website, paulgaucher.com. There's a couple of things. There's a lot there for you. A couple things that are super relevant for today. The, the rhythms button. Uh, also, um, you can tap into Today's Word there. You can follow Today's Word on Instagram. 
um, on Instagram, also on Facebook. It's uh, hashtag 100 days 50 words. That'll get you there. I uh, want to thank, as always, a great team uh, who helped make this happen. Uh, Darren Hensel, who's just about 14 feet from me right now, and uh, he makes this sound better than it did when we started. And Lisa tosses everything onto the web for us. She's great. So, Also, the guys in the Snarky Puppy Band, my commitment is just to thank them uh, for letting us use their music. Just an amazing group. Their song, What About Me?, for the bumper music, uh, it just gets me going. I love it. And now for the blessing, friends. Uh, as, as you move through this day, may you be awake to the truth that, that, that someone, there'll always be someone who needs you and who through you will encounter Christ. And may you discover what it means to thrive as a missional child of God. May you, embracing a vision of life and aliveness, by creating momentums of healing and unity, by pursuing movements of hope and wholeness, may, may you discover the joy in that. And remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. Thanks everyone, thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here soon, peace.